even though we're off our series from the book of Revelation, we're looking at a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. It was a favorite church. In fact, it's the very first church that he writes a letter to and gives a message to. Revelation chapter 2. The church that he characterized, that he said, I know thy work, thy labor, and thy patience. And then again he said, thou hast borne, thou hast had patience, thou hast labored, <coughs> and thou hast not fainted. He said this church was militant, it was a ministering church, it was moderate in the sense that it, was, it had patience. But it was the church that became mechanical. Now that's later. That's much later after this letter in Ephesians, this book of the book of Ephesians written. He said, I have someone against this church because it had left its first love. But in Ephesians 3, in the entire book of Ephesians, this was written when the church was active and the church was on fire for God. Ephesians 3 is a right in the middle here. It's an encouraging chapter. It's an eye-opening chapter. Ephesians 3 is what you need, I need, and our church needs while we're in and when we gradually come out of COVID-19. This message tonight is written and being preached because it is meant to tell us what we're supposed to be doing. While we're in COVID-19, and you'll be hearing me say this repeatedly, and when we gradually come out of COVID-19. We'll be gradually coming out of COVID-19. First of all, I want to tell you some things, and this is not, I'm not Governor Newsom. I'm not President Trump. I'm not the Alameda County Public Health Department. But what I see coming down the pipeline. A gradual reassembly of the church is a minimum of 60, 90, or even 120 days away. I hope it's sooner. A gradual reassembly. Whenever that day is that the church reassembles, the practices in place right now, I believe, will still be in place. I envisioned that there will still be social distancing. When we reassemble as a church, I believe we're going to still have to continue to have smaller assemblies and multiple services. I believe we're going to have a maximum number of people on the church campus. I believe that our auditorium, which used to be filled and packed, will have people spaced out because of social distancing. Unless you're, unless you're a family, I imagine a minimum of four seats away between, between individuals in the church. There still need to be social distancing. There are ways off. There are ways off before they have this thing nailed down. Vaccines are many months away. I just read the study from a virologist in terms of just how this process works out. We're many months away. And all the governors and people like that, they know that. They, they know what's going on. And uh, they're trying to give hope and encouragement, but the truth of the matter is that this thing is far from being under control. And so if we can reassemble, it'll be gradual. There'll still be social distancing. I envision a church when everyone's going to come wearing masks. I have our live stream crew right now all wearing masks. Look at me. And since I'm far enough from away, I don't need to wear a mask. Amen. But I envision a church where we're going to have to, people be wearing masks, possibly gloved. We'll steer a ways off from shaking hands. We'll still be Bible bumping. That's good. Amen. We'll be Bible bumping there, maybe elbow bumping, things like that. But um, when we do reassemble, we're going to be spacing it out so that serving members will be strategically in different services. I'm not going to tell you how many services, but I envision it could be up to three or four services for Sunday morning, maybe even throughout the day. I envision um, our nurseries and children's Sunday school spread out so that we're adequately 
take advantage of the multiple room spaces we have, and I'm very thankful. God knew this ahead of time. I'm very thankful for the Berean Center building, the 13 to 15 classrooms we have there, because we're going to have to space out a lot of the children's aspects of this. Sunday schools, adult growth groups will be spaced out. And so, so if you can imagine where we may have had X number, let's just say 30 people in a growth group. Uh, now we're going to have to split it up because we can't have that many people in a room because of social distancing. I mean, just these things like that. Some of our classes will not be on Sundays. Some of it will be spaced out during other days of the week, which we'll talk about another time. I imagine our transportation ministry uh, still being operable, but because of social distancing requirements and the safety and health of people and, and to build and to gain the confidence of those who will be riding public transportation, the likelihood is that we'll have fewer people on, on our transportation routes and there'll be multiple trips we'll be making and it could very well be that our transportation ministry could be operating at three different, at three different times during the day on Sundays so that we get people in. And that's okay. I'm glad for that. Whatever it's going to effectively help us to minister people, I'm okay with that. So we'll be down to smaller assemblies. We're evaluating right now how we're going to be focusing clearly on evangelism, discipleship, Development of our church and our extension ministries. Our so winning right now, as we're working and I'm praying through some things, is going to be such that we have to do everything we can, and I want you to hear me very clearly, and you've heard me say this from day one, that drives people to us, that drives the community to us. And we're realizing there's a lot of things going on. I mean, you just look at it right now. If right now, doctors' offices are not open. Unless it's critically necessary, they're trying to do as much as possible through tele televideo conferencing. They do not want people in their lobbies. They do not want people in their waiting areas. They want as much as possible televideo conferencing. And if you are someone who has recurrent visits with your doctor, most likely you've gotten an uh, announcement of that from your doctor's offices. So as we look at all these things, these are all good things there. But we also realize that shelter in place will be loosened, but depending on what happens, it could be reactivated in any one period of time, and what we're experiencing right now could be back in place with more stringent requirements. Because what we don't want to do, hear me out, what we don't want to do if has a reassembly and someone who, who is a silent carrier comes in, and God forbid, but infects the whole church or a large number of people in our church. Because that's why we're in the mess we're in right now. Because there was some, somebody who care, was a carrier, and I'm thinking about a major pharmaceutical corporation that had a board meeting. They had no idea those executives in that board meeting were carriers. They all got on their planes. They went to different parts of the country after the board meeting was over. A large number of peoples were infected in communities. So there's a lot to happen. <clears throat> there needs to be cooperation. There needs to be a lot of humility in our part. And so we realize that ministry for the next two years is going to be a little bit different. But I want to tell you tonight, that's okay. That's okay. Because regardless of what happens on this, we are called upon to thrive for our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And Ephesians 3 is written from the depths of the heart of the Apostle Paul. And by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to a church that was preparing for the next phase of ministry. Heritage Baptist Church, we are preparing for the next phase of ministry. Recurringly, Paul, who is in prison, spoke about his power, the power. What is this power? What will this power do? Who needs this power? In Ephesians 3, we see Jesus and his church. And I believe the relevance of what Paul gave to this church at Ephesus is equally relevant on April 19th, 2020, 
at 5.40 p.m. for Heritage Baptist Church. I said all that as way of introduction, long introduction, to get into our message tonight. We see God's desire for his church to do his will and to thrive under any circumstance tonight. I want you to see this evening four things very quickly. Number one, I want you to notice we see Jesus and his preacher. Jesus and his preacher. Verse one, for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. We see Jesus and his preacher. This is the preacher writing to the church at Ephesus and sharing his heart. The first thing we see is this preacher and his captivity. Paul was in his first imprisonment. He was chained to two Roman guards. When you're a prisoner, that implies there are limitations. When you're a prisoner, that implies that you have limited or no liberties. Shelter and place orders are making some people feel like they're prisoners. Uh, some people feel like there's an increase in their anxiety and depression. I talked to some this morning, just said, well, Pastor, we're just staying home. We're staying safe. We're doing our gardening. We're only getting out to get our medications. We're only getting out to get our groceries, things of that nature. Uh, it's amazing right now that these people who feel like they're prisoners, that there's been an increase in domestic violence. There's been an increase of depression and the prescription of depression drugs and things of that nature. And, of course, as we look at this, Paul is saying here, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you, for you Gentiles. He was literally a prisoner for the gospel's sake there. And Paul knew that while he was a prisoner there, that he was limited in getting out. He was limited in preaching the gospel. But he was not limited in his writing. If it wasn't for the fact that Paul was a prisoner, we wouldn't have all the epistles that were written by Paul. Half the New Testament are Paul's epistles. Some of these epistles we call the prison epistles. They were written during his captivity. Thank God that he had this situation so that we would have the revealed word of God to us. That was part of the canon of scripture. And I want to remind you tonight that though Satan is the prince of the power of the air, is making some of us feel like we're prisoners to our homes or whatever it may be, I remind you tonight that, 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 that in spite of all that, God is still on the throne. And God is still actively at work there. There may be pestilence, respiratory attacks, even death, and a lot of other things happening leading to anxiety and depression. But Paul, as a prisoner, was in the will of God. We see God's preacher who was captive, but we see God's preacher who was called. Now, while he was captive, he didn't forget while God, why God put him where he was at. He was called. He had a calling of God. I remind you tonight, church, that the church has a calling of God. COVID-19 does not stop the calling of God. COVID-19 does not stop us from what we're supposed to be doing. And Paul alludes to this calling. Notice verse 2. He said, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me towards you. Now, this word dispensation is translated the word stewardship. He's talking about the stewardship given to him to preach the word of God. He calls it the dispensation of the grace of God or the stewardship of the grace of God. And he elaborates on that a little bit more. In verses 7 and 9, notice what he says there. Whereof I was made a minister, or a servant, if you would. Whereof I was made a minister, according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power. That word power is the word dunamis there. And he says, unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now here's his calling. He's saying that God, by his grace, called him out to be a preacher of the gospel. And by his grace, he was, God called him out to be the minister, the missionary, the servant of God, the preacher to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish population. God opened the door to the Gentiles through Peter, but God enlarged the ministry to the Gentiles through the Apostle Paul. God told him in Acts chapter 9 through Ananias that you were called to be the apostle to the Gentiles. You're going to be the one that's going to open the door. And if you read chapter 2 of Ephesians, he writes how God broke down the middle wall partition between Jews and Gentiles, and he brought them together. And he describes this in verse 21 of chapter 2. He says, the whole building is fitly framed together and growth into a holy temple in the Lord. So he's writing to these Gentiles. He says here in chapter 3, verse 1, I, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you. And Paul wrote this for you. Paul was a minister for you. God's word is for you. The power of the gospel is for you. And I want to tell you in his calling, he said, God's called me 
to preach, would you listen to this, fathom this, to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ are all the wonderful things which we'll never exhaust or finish enumerating on. The unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ and growing in Christ. Everything about Jesus Christ is unsearchable, inexhaustible, innumerable. And he said in verse 9, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of this ministry, with this mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hidden God, who created all things by Christ Jesus. So what's the point? God used this preacher of the gospel to advance his kingdom into the lives of those who are not saved. And my point I want you to see tonight is we see, we see Jesus and his preacher. I want you to see that God wants to use you and me to advance his kingdom into lives of those who are not saved. If there's ever been a critical time where people are facing life and death decisions and people are on, the, on, on, a, on a situation right now in their lives where it's life and death, God wants to use you and I to bring the gospel to them. And so this evening we see, first of all, Jesus and his preacher. But secondly, would you notice in chapter 3, we see Jesus and his people. God is exhorting his people. God loves his people. I mean, I read chapter 3, every time I read Ephesians 3, man, my heart is overflowing with encouragement because I'm, I'm reading about a God who loves me. He loves me beyond just the salvation that was purchased for me when Jesus Christ died on the cross. And Paul got on his knees while he was writing this. He got into this, I would call this, he got into this heavenly moment. He got into what I call an ethereal moment. Whereas he's writing, he got on his knees, he's writing. I do this sometimes. I'll take the Bible and I'll, I'll, before I start praying, I'll read the Bible on my knees and I just get an ethereal moment. I think I know a little bit what Paul's talking about there. It was a heavenly moment of God where God worked on him. And as he's writing to them, he bowed on his knees and he, he wrote out his prayer to them. And he said in verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now that whole family is very restrictive. It's talking about you and me. It's talking about saved individuals. Jesus is writing to his people. He wants his people to know that he loves them, he cares for them. What kind of people are we? Well, notice, first of all, we're people who are bought. People who are purchased. Go back with me to chapter 1, verse 7. And we're people who've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood. The word redemption means we've been bought. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were made afar off or made nigh by the blood of Christ, hey, we can rejoice tonight and say hallelujah. We are a blood-bought people in whom we have redemption through his blood. He bought us out of the slave market of sin with the precious price of his blood. We are a bought people. We are a purchased people. We are a purchased possession. We are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been made, we've been made clean by his blood. He's bought us. We're made nigh. We're bought close to God by the blood of Jesus Christ. The payment price has been paid in full. Glory to God. We are a bought people. But secondly, we're not just a bought people. We are blessed people. Say amen there. We are blessed people. Notice chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And he enumerates on all of that in chapter 1. We are blessed people. Listen, we're blessed by the fact that God is our Father. We're blessed by the fact that Jesus Christ has bought us with his blood. We're blessed by the fact that we've received the adoption of sons. We're blessed by the fact we're the purchased possession of God. We're blessed by the fact that God has showed the riches of his grace to us. Hey, we're blessed by the fact that the riches of his glory are upon us. Hey, man, if you're not excited about right now, you need to get excited and enthused. And we are blessed people of God right now. Blessed because we have the riches of his mercy, chapter 2, verse 4. We're blessed. We're blessed. You want some study question for this week? Read chapters 1, 2, and 3. You'll make a list of a lot of things. If you read your Bible very carefully, we're blessed. We're blessed to have a church. Amen. We're blessed to have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. Amen. We're blessed that we're sealed by that Holy Spirit of promise. 
We're blessed that we are purchased possession. We're blessed that he predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Man, you hear me say this all the time. God's will is God's blessed for our life. That's what he says right here in verse 5. According to the good pleasure of his will. Paul had a connective fit right at that moment as he's praying this prayer. We're people who were bought. We're people who are blessed. We're people who beam. We are called to be the light of the world. Look at chapter 5, please, in verse 8. For you were sometimes darkness, but now... Thank God we don't have to dwell in the past. Amen? But now, are ye light in the Lord? Walk as children of light. Put away the hidden things of darkness. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Listen, we are the light of the world. We're to be a city on top of a hill. Don't, don't hide your light under a bed. Light your candle and shine brightly for Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, Philippians 2.15 says that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Hey, listen, our song should be, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Listen, you may be one little candle, but you can let it shine. And you can you imagine with me several hundred people making up what's called the membership of the Heritage Baptist Church, that every one of our candles is shining brightly for Jesus Christ. Listen, we ought to be a shining church, and we need to be a model church, and we need to be a evangelistic church, and we need to be a soul winning church, and we are. But I'm saying tonight, we are people who beam. I'm thankful tonight that Jesus loves his people so much that he wants us to be the light of the world. Notice thirdly, go back to chapter 3, we see Jesus and his power. Jesus is praying for his people. I think Paul got a glimpse of that. That's why he gave us chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Paul was not with them at that time. You study Acts 18 and 19, you study a little bit about the city of Ephesus, that was a tough city to have a church in. It was a wicked city, overflowing with idolatry. There was a lot of immorality in that city. There was a lot of drunkenness and substance abuse issues in that city. Paul bowed his knees to God. He prayed this prayer. It's a prayer for our encouragement. It's a prayer for our equipping. It's a prayer for our enabling. It's a prayer for God's power in your life and mine while we're going through shelter in place. And as we prepare to gradually reassemble. It's a prayer for power. We need God's power for your anxiety and your discouragement. Some are in the valley of depression, a true organic problem. But I'm going to tell you tonight, you need to bring your thoughts captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. You become depressed, you become anxious, when negative thoughts and bitter thoughts and dark thoughts and satanic thoughts overcome your thinking. Because you need to go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and realize whatever things are pure, whatever things are good, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Let me just park on that tonight because Paul talked about what we ask or think. During this COVID-19, think good things. Think about God. Think about the power of God. Think about what we can do. Stop thinking negative things. 
If you're feeling anxious at home and you're not enjoying being with your family, shame on you. If you're upset because your children are not in school, you need to reclaim your family according to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And you need to be a mother and father that leads your family and leads your children. Not let the limitation of a public school system dictate the mind of your child. This is the time to get your child in the mind of the Lord. Listen, if you're stuck at home doing work, and all you're doing is work, 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 and you're thinking work, you need to take a moment to balance your life out a little bit and recalibrate things and think about Jesus Christ. You're going around finding fault with everybody else, what the church is doing, what the church is not doing, and all that kind of stuff, you need to stop that right now, and you need to get your mind focused on Jesus Christ. You don't need to be a gatekeeper. Jesus Christ is the gatekeeper for his church. Amen, preacher. We need God's power to push forward. We need God's power if we're going to overcome sin. And we need God's power for the vision he has for us. We scroll down, and I want you to see some things about this power. First of all, I want you to think with me tonight, the ability of this power. Now to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Now I want you to notice something tonight. Paul actually is talking about, going back to chapter 1, about two different kinds of powers. In verse 10, he speaks about principalities and powers. In chapter 1, he uses that same phrase. In chapter 1, he speaks about in verse 21 about principality and power. Now this power he's talking about there, this principality power, he's talking about a power and authority in this world that is satanic power. He talks about that in chapter 6. He talks about these hierarchies of power. Now this power is big power. I don't want to underestimate it. It's power. It's powerful. But it's power that is subject to the authority of God's power. Don't forget that. And Paul reminded them, as you go back to chapter 3, verse 10, to the intent that you now, that now unto the principalities and powers of heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Listen, the Old Testament did not know about the church. In the Old Testament, Israel was God's chosen people. Israel failed God. And in God's eternal counsel, he did not reveal until Jesus came that he had, a bigger pro- he had a bigger project in mind. And the people of God would be the church. The people of God would be those who were saved and be part of the church. And the church, the will of God for the church is to make known the manifold wisdom of God everywhere. The manifold wisdom of God is that Jesus Christ died for the sins of all the world and rose again for the dead. We call that the gospel of Jesus Christ. Manifold wisdom of God. There's a church everywhere doing everything God wanted us to do. You see, when you go to Matthew chapter 8 and 9, Matthew 7, 8 and 9, after Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is, has an assembly of men that are following him. He's not declared until chapter 10 who the, who the 12 men are that would be his, his apostles, his sent ones. He was very careful about who he was going to choose and select. And in chapters 8 and 9 of Matthew, you better listen to me tonight, especially if you're serving God. Don't, don't fall asleep on me right now. Jesus is everywhere doing everything for everyone. He's healing, he's teaching, he's restoring all of these things. And here are these people falling along. Wonder, I wonder if we get to do anything. You see, a lot of you have grown up with a democratic mindset. You think, the, you think you're supposed to, the laymen are supposed to rule. And you're supposed to do everything. 
But God has a purpose in what he does. And that's why churches, and I just read about one this week, you get some power-hungry layman who wants to subvert the power of the pastor, which the layman doesn't have the right to do, because the layman was not given the oversight thereof, according to 1 Peter chapter 5. And so they want to run roughshod and have a Democratic-led church assembly. And so Jesus is making a point because, remember, Jesus Christ is the first pastor of the local New Testament church. Don't forget that. He's everywhere doing everything for everyone because he's taking the oversight thereof. And then he did something very remarkable that's a great leadership trait. And some of you men who follow around me, I hope you catch this. He stops... And he looks at the multitude. Right there at that moment, Jesus had a missions conference there in, Acts, in, in Matthew chapter 9. Don't forget this. He had a missions conference, a so many conference. And he said in Matthew chapter 9, he looked on the multitudes with compassion because they were sheep without a shepherd. Do you understand that? Sheep without a shepherd. God's will is that you have a shepherd. God's will is you understand you're sheep and you're to be led by a shepherd. You're not to be leading the shepherd. And so Jesus Christ said, here's what he said there. The harvest truly is plenteous. There's a lot of places in the world, and even in the midst of COVID-19, it it's not going to stop missions. It may suspend it, but it's not going to stop it. The harvest truly is plenteous, but he said the laborers are few. And he said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he send forth laborers into the harvest. Are you with me tonight? He said, hey, stop for a minute. I'm doing everything for everybody, going everywhere. I want you to see what I see. And I want you to pray for laborers for the harvest. And I believe as we transition to Matthew chapter 10, I believe Jesus led those men in a prayer meeting. And I believe as we read Mark chapter 1, Jesus spent all night in prayer, praying about God's will for the 12 men. And then you say, well, what about Judas? Listen, I believe Judas at that moment of time had a teachable heart and spirit. He had to arrive and come to the same place in his life as Peter, James, John, Andrew, and all the rest did. But Judas chose not to. And listen, you listen to me tonight. In every group, there's always a Judas. There's always a Judas. Don't you be the Judas. I've studied this thing out in the Bible. It's everywhere. A Judas is always in the inner circle. He looks pretty good, but he's still a Judas. So Jesus, Paul's writing to this church. And he said, now look, through the church is to be made known the manifold wisdom of God. But this church, they're feeling the spiritual darkness around them. Hey, have you figured out COVID-19, there's a lot of spiritual darkness around COVID-19? Yeah, there is. There's death. Who has the power of death? Satan. It's very discouraging every day, especially this past week. I've seen the number of deaths. And for the media to play it lightly, say, well, we had less number of deaths today than we had yesterday. You know what? To me, it's still a death, and that's wrong. You should never get to the place where you're indifferent about people who die and might spend eternity in hell. One of our nurses... Messaged me and said, preacher, had a patient that passed away this week. I'm shaken. I didn't have the opportunity to get the gospel of that person. And they said, I'm not going to let that happen to the one I'm working on right now. God wants the manifold wisdom of God to be made known by the church. Do you understand we have the manifold wisdom of God. The manifold wisdom of God is Jesus Christ. Do you understand tonight? He that winneth souls is wife. The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wife. And they that turn many to righteous shall shine as the stars forever and ever. 
they that be wise, the Bible says, shall shine and turn many to righteousness. But the church is feeling like, how are we going to get this done? There are principalities, exousia power. They felt that power. They knew in their own city the principalities and powers were working overnight through immorality and idolatries and paganism and broken families and abusive husbands and abusive wives and disobedient children and drunkenness and substance abuse and pornography and all the rest of that junk that goes on. Immoral lifestyles, principalities and powers. And Paul wrote to them about a different power. Amen. Paul wrote to them about dunamis power. Dunamis power is where we get our word dynamite from. Dunamis power is God's power. Dunamis power is this power that he's talking about over and over again. Look at chapter 1, verse 7. He says, by the effectual working of his power, that's dunamis power. He goes on later on when he speaks about Jesus Christ. Would you notice this here? He says in verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by the spirit in the inner man. And that word might is the word dunamis or power. To get your heart turned around, get your feet on the ground, Get ready to receive this. In verse 20, Paul is now at a, what I would call it, a crescendo state. He's so ethereal. He's so up there. He says, now listen, I'm praying that you'll be strengthened by the power of God with all might. And with that strengthening, I, th- I, like, I like the fact that he, he balanced that out, if I can say that correctly, by talking about being filled with the love of God because there's no way God's going to trust you with that power if you don't love people the way he loves them, if you don't have the love of God working right in your heart. Listen, God is not going to trust you with great power if you don't have the love of Jesus Christ working through you. And he said, listen, that prayer, that power I'm praying for, it's God's power. Now unto him that is able. Who is able? God is able. I said God is able. Jesus is able. The Holy Spirit is able. The ability of this power, it's uninhibited. It's uninhibited. None to him that is able. Listen, there is no exousia power that can inhibit the power of God. Glory to God. There's no strength or might that is matched to it. There's no government presses, no Federal Reserve, no nuclear power, no scientific program. It cannot be inhibited, restrained, impeded, or stopped. Glory to God. It's a power that, can, that is uninhibited. It's a power that is unlimited to him that is able. When the atomic bomb was developed, it was powerful. Now we've got the hydrogen bomb. We've got all these different nuclear things going on. I mean, whatever it may be, they think it's power. But I'm going to tell you tonight, God's power is unlimited power. That power that worked on the day of Pentecost. Listen, if God could find 120 people who were broken and repentant and yielded to God or empty of self that he could pour pour himself into, can you imagine that he would like to reenact the power of Pentecost once again in the life of a church of some people that will just get rid of themselves and die to self and let the power of God work to them? Don't you know? Don't you know God is doing that different places around the world where there's just a bunch of yielded Christians who are empty of self. They don't have the college degrees. They don't have the, they don't have the accounting competence and the engineering competence and the medical competence. But I tell you what they do have. They have Holy Spirit competence. And if there's a competence you need to have, you need to have Holy Spirit competence in your life if you're going to get the work done for God. Unlimited power. Who cares about stimulus checks? Who cares about PPE and loan programs? All that? that is limited power. God's power is unlimited. And I'm going to tell you right now, we don't need government money. We don't need all that stuff. What we need is God's power. Stop your calculating and start getting on your heart. Get on your knees and be contrite for the power of God. It's endless, infinite, and unending power. It's the power that made the universe. It's the power that put the stars in space. It's the power that made heaven, and God said, 
And he looked at it and he said, all things are good. It's unbelievable power. Praise God. I said, praise God. I had not seen nor ear heard. Neither have entered the hearts of men. The things which God has prepared for them to love him. We see our little trickle and we think, oh, God's power is at work. Can I tell you something? God's power worked according to what God could trust us with. It's like, go do that, Dwight L. Moody. He preached. God was giving results to two simple ladies who were prayer warriors. Ran into him on the street there of Wall Street in New York City. They said, oh, Mr. Moody, so good to see you here. We want you to know we're praying for you. Thank you, though, for those of you who pray for me. We're praying for you, Mr. Moody, that you'll get God's power in your life. He was a little taken back by that, and he thought, what do you mean by that? Don't I have God's power ready? And a little bit of pride came inside him because he thought, man, I'm, theologically, I know more than these ladies. They ought to see my Bible. I've marked in my Bible. They said, Mr. Moody, we think there's more God wants to do. Holy Spirit pricked his conscience because he realized that, that sin of pride came into him. And you can tell a man who's godly when he knows the sin of pride is rising in his soul. And he stops at that moment. And he gets on his knees before God. He went up to his little apartment that he had. He got on his face before God. This is what he prayed. This is the record of his prayer. God, I've seen three and four and five and ten saved. Is there more than that? Is there more can I can see? This is by Mr. Moody's own testimony. He prayed for a week, more than a week. And something happened to him in that room that defined and changed his life. Whereas before he saw four, five, six people saved. Now he's seen thousands saved. Thousands saved. He learned to harness the power of God. You see, the ability of this power is waiting to be harnessed. It's waiting to be unleashed. It's waiting to be tapped and used. It's unbelievable power. He speaks about the ability of this power. Quickly, notice if you would please in verse 20, notice the awesomeness of this power. Now, Paul, Paul was a great preacher because he had a command of the language and knew how to choose the right adjective words. I, that's something I pray for, that God help me to choose the right adjectives and words because sometimes you just don't have the right words to say. And that's not, not even preaching. Just when you're dealing with people, you want to be able to say the right things and know when not to say something. And he said in verse 20, Now to him that is able, which you notice this next phrase, that to do exceeding abundantly above all. Would you underline that phrase? To do exceeding abundantly above all. That means... That means this power is awesome. It means to do more and much more. It means to be lavishly poured out, to be richly given, profusely distributed. He says more and much more. Lavishly, richly, profusely, exceeding abundantly. Now exceeding is good. But exceeding abundantly is even stronger. He says he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. This is an awesome power if you haven't figured out. It performs above all. It does above all. It conquers above all. It accomplishes above all. It is an awesome power. God doesn't want you to be a gatekeeper inhibiting the power of God from working. Let it loose. Let it work. Let it be exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. But I want you to notice the availability of this power. 
Now to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly, above all, notice that phrase, above all, that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Now the ability of that power, it's uninhibited. It's unlimited. It's unbelievable. The awesomeness of this power. He wants to work it profusely, richly, lavishly, exceeding abundantly above all. But how do you get it? And he tells us right here in verse 20. Above all that we ask or think. Now the asking is praying. The asking is praying. Asking you shall receive. Jabez prayed, Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed and enlarge my coast and that thy hand may be upon me that I may not see evil. God said to, to the king, King Ahaz, Ask of me and I'll give you the heavens of, for height and the earth beneath for depth. Ask of me. Asking you shall receive. Seeking you shall find. Knocking it shall be open unto you. Hey, listen, there's the asking, but there's the thinking. The thinking is when God puts on the mind of the preacher exactly what he's supposed to do. The vision of God, the work of the Lord, exactly what God wants to do. See, the problem for most people, especially who are entrepreneurial, preachers never move too fast for them, or preachers do move too fast for them, one or the other. It's never according to their time scale. You have to understand something. When God works, <coughs> when God's power is unleashed, it's above all that we ask or think. And our asking and thinking must conform to the will of God because this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything and it be according to his will, our asking and thinking must be in obedience to the word of God. The Bible says in whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. This power is available to above all that we ask or we think. Not fleeting thoughts. Thoughts that grip us. Thoughts that keep us awake at night. Thoughts that break our heart. Thoughts in alignment with the will of God. Above all that we ask you. See, here's our problem. We want to start things, but we can't sustain things. We want to start things, but we're not willing to make the commitment to those things. What he's talking about here is what we ask or think of, we make a commitment and follow it through all the way. And then he says here, he says, the availability is above all that we ask of thee. Hey, what are you willing to ask God for with me? What are you willing to think about with me? I'm talking about today, are you willing to go with us much farther than we've ever gone? Are you willing to do what God wants to do? He says, according. Now, the according puts the burden back on you and me. According means you and I have to make a choice and you and I have to make a decision. You and I have to decide it's God's church and not his church. It's not a social work, it's a spiritual work. According to the power that worketh in us. Bear with me tonight. I'm asking God to do some exceeding abundant things. I've been praying this since the day we started Shelter in Place. Ways to drive the community to us. The first three weeks of March, I wanted to see how this thing was going to unfold. As we got towards the first couple of weeks there, I started realizing they're going to extend this to May. As they extend it to May, I'm trying to get a feel for what the numbers are looking like, what's going on, realizing every day is a grim report. And so, church, I want you to listen very carefully tonight. Please listen right now. I'm asking God to use us to, to do extensive outreach to the frontliners of our local hospitals. We already have one right now that appears that we have the open door that we spoke about when we preached about the Church of Philadelphia. We're waiting for a few more responses. And what we're doing is, you have to understand the restrictions in hospitals right now. You cannot go there into a hospital unless you're admitted because you have a medical condition. No visitors are allowed. So members of the community have been reaching out to show their appreciation. I want us to go beyond showing appreciation and just doing act good works. 
And by the way, the Bible says about good works, Jesus Christ was a man full of good works. We need to be full of good works. And our goal, we're on, we're, we're in target for. We just had a meeting yesterday. Is to begin by providing meals and nutritious snack bags for the different shifts and departments of these hospitals. One of those shifts, they call shift number three, is the graveyard shift. And we've reached out, and at this moment of time, we have a, a family very close to this church. It has a restaurant. It's been in business many years. Where it has to meet the guidelines of the packaging and all these things that, that meets the health guidelines, safety guidelines, the no hands of touches, it's properly wrapped, all these kind of things. Where we want as a church to be able to purchase these meals from someone who's licensed has met, and it has a good record with the health department and all these type of things. We can't make these meals and bring them up. They have to come from a third-party source there. But somebody who will work with us, who will discount their pricing on the front end, realizing on the back end that they're going to probably get more business because of this, but they really are just going to come alongside of us, if you would, to help us in providing meals, warm, hot meals, nutritious meals to these people. We pray at an affordable price. I'm not going crazy here and just getting $10 meals and things like that. We've negotiated something which we're hoping will be between $5 and $6 a meal for these people that we can bring. And we'll have a window of time where we can drop these meals, these hot meals off to these, to these shifts or whatever may be there. We're going to drop them off. We're going, to have a, we're going to have a distribution point where we're going to find these people and we're going to have this vendor work with us beyond their normal work hours to have this ready because we have a limited time frame to get it to them. And that's why it's important to work with a, with a vendor that's very, very close to in this matter. And the person I'm working with, I've been praying for this person's salvation. The church, their family members here in this church are a good church member. We're praying for their, their, their family member's salvation. And this person came with very open to us. And I checked back with them after the meeting yesterday. They said they're very open to what we're going to do. And I envision God using us during this time, whatever it may be, of bringing recurrently over periods of time these warm meals so that we basically are, if you can pardon the term, we're branding our church. Our church is being seen through HBC Cares hyphen COVID-19. HBC Cares hyphen COVID-19. Our HBC Cares ministry is an extension of our church. We'll be ministering through these meals to get it out there. We cannot get a lot of literature in the, in the, in the front end. They already know groups want to get literature in there, so we realize we have some limitations. But there'll be some things I'm asking our support staff to do, like putting some, uh, some, some tape around that with the labeling on there, HBC Cares, COVID-19, and our HBC Cares team, something like that, where HBC Cares will be all over this literature of things that we're giving out, be over there, and we'll just kind of saturate this place with just our name on the bags, our names on the packaging, all of these things, our names on the boxes, things like that, so it's there, so they know who's at, who gave it, so they're, not at, they're just not associating with the restaurant, which we're not going to bypass the name of the restaurant that's involved there, but we are going to make sure the name HBC Cares is is prominent in this. And we want to do that and drop off snack bags in our HBC Care bags. Some of you have seen some of the gift bags that we use and the bags that we use for things like the, uh, uh, like our, our vision eye, things of that nature. We want to get things to them that has that in there, maybe insert something in there with that nature. We want to do this numerous times. I'm not interested in doing it one time. We're, remember I said we're not doing a social work. We're doing a spiritual work. And our goal there is to get visibility first on, on several levels. Number one, I want visibility on the administrative level where I have visibility there. I want to have visibility with these, first, with these frontliners. I want them to know that I'm their pastor. And I'm going to tell you tonight, listen to me tonight. I prayed a prayer yesterday that I've never prayed in 15 years as a pastor. And I asked God last night, yesterday morning, Lord, let me be the pastor of the city of San Leandro. And Lord, let me be the pastor of these hospitals. And let me be the pastor of these entities. And let me be the pastor of the Alameda County City. I'm not trying to be an egotist or any of that stuff. I just know that the time is short and they need a fundamental Baptist pastor who loves souls, believes the word of God, and loves their souls enough to get the gospel to them so they can get saved. And there are many more things that I don't have enough time to tell you about this. But I'm going to tell you right now, we want to get this. This is one of several ways we're going to do this. I'm envisioning appreciation days as we start to gradually reassemble. I told our, I told our men in the, on, the, on the live stream team about this last Sunday. Whereas we gradually reassemble, I'm going to ask for permission from our police chief. And I'll have a few people with me spaced out in our parking lot. We're going to contact these organizations and we're going to tell them, listen, for those who are not working during those shifts, we'd like them to come for an appreciation day. They're going to drive through 
We're going to have packages. We're going to give maybe even warm meals. We're going to have a small window of time where they need to come through. And I'll ask our police tomorrow if they'll put a patrol car outside. Because as you know, coming to our parking lot can be very perilous if we're not very careful. Last thing I want to happen is have an accident out there where people are trying to come in and come out. We're going to high touch them. If they come on our property, I'm not inhibited from giving them the God morning devotion, the book. And you say, why do you want to get the God morning devotion out there? Because I want to put something in their hand so that when it's on their coffee table, they remember the church. I'm not doing it for me. And by the way, just so you know, for some of you who are kind of just kind of wondering about it, we wrote the book and have all the proceeds that we received from it go through the church because it's not for me. It's my, my endeavor. It's for the glory of God. Would you understand something tonight? We're trying to do everything we can by branding through podcasts and through books and literature that I'm trying to do right now so that we can get the gospel to people is not to get our name on Twitter and all that stuff. My goal with this is to glorify God, that the manifold wisdom of God would be given out there. Do you understand that tonight? And with those gradual reappreciation, re uh, those drive-through drive days, I want to incorporate that on a welcome home Sunday for our church, a good neighbor Sunday for our area. And I want us to be as a church, I told our men this today, I said I want us as a church to be a model church and how to reassemble and do it right. I don't want to be like everybody else. I want to be the first one to do it and I want to be the right one to do it. Amen. We want to be the model church and doing this right. We've got the gospel that's been recorded on video. Lord willing, at the end of this week, after it gets kind of edited and worked on, they'll be on our website where the plan of salvation is available in English, Spanish, and Mandarin Chinese. I hope to have other languages for that. We have our children right now. We've already gotten several letters in. I've asked Brother Daniel to organize all of our children to write thank you letters to our hospitals. We're going to be doing this as long as this, is, this shelter in place is going on. And I've already gotten permission by this one hospital. They have this community bulletin board. When you walk in their hospital lobby, you can't miss it. And they're going to let us, Lord willing, to put those, all those letters by those, those sweet children we have in our church up there that we get that out so it gets our name there. Listen, don't you want your church name out there? Don't you want a testimony of your church out there? Don't you want to help and bolster the presence and the testimony of our nurses and medical professionals that work in these hospitals that they know they can say proudly, that's my church that did that. That's my children's department that did that. That's my pastor that gave you that book. That's our church that did that. Don't you want that kind of testimony, church? But I need some help. I need some help tonight. Everyone watching by live stream tonight, and you get the word out to those not watching. Everyone can have a part in this. I gotta pay for this. It's not budgeted. And what we could shift in HBC care funds that are budgeted is not is only enough for two meals. Only enough for probably about 500 snack bags. That's not enough. This one shift I told you about, there's 165 nurses on that one graveyard shift. That doesn't include anybody else. So you can imagine in three shifts period of time, there could be as many, or two shifts period of time, there could be as many as 500 to 700 people there at any one day. I don't know about you, but I like to get the gospel to 500 people one time. That's a blessing. I'm asking you to come alongside of me who are already tithing, participating in faith promise, giving by faith. I'm asking our church to make financial participation beginning tonight. Some can give 25, some can give 50, some can give 100. Some could sponsor 100 people or more. And it's going to be called our eight, we're going to designate it the HBC CARES COVID-19 outreach. I need to raise quite a bit of money, to be honest with you. I'm not going to tell you the dollar amount. I've shared with just a couple people what I need. And even what I told them, my faith is small in that. I'm giving to it. In fact, tonight when I'm over, this is over, I'm going to send something online giving tonight for it. I believe in it. 
I can't tell you it's going to be, how successful it will be or even will be successful. I just can tell you we don't know until we try it, until we do it. But I need money to pay for it right now. What to God, God would touch some of you, 25, 50. You're going to be smaller too. Children, hey, listen, children can participate. You, you young people can participate. If you've got only a dollar, $5, I'll take it. Amen. Because you know what? God sees your heart. This is something the whole church can be participating in. Now, I can't have the whole church involved in the distribution or even the assembly because of the shelter in place and the social distancing rules. Not now, at least. But everyone can participate financially. And our support staff is going to be busy this week preparing a number of snack bags. We're going to get all the supplies accumulated while we're doing other things around the church and get that ready for the first of several deliveries. It's going to have our name there. If you know me, I'm not content just getting the name out there. I, I want to have, I'm, I'm praying through this. God's going to get, open some doors. And he always has done this. God has always done that. And my goal is that we spend up all this money for that. And if we don't, then listen to me tonight. I want you to understand this tonight. It's being recorded. Whatever we don't spend up, I want you to allow me, if we get to the end of this period, time period, whatever is not spent up, if you'll let me do this, I want to roll it. Roll those excess funds. If we don't spend it up, which I don't think that will be happening, but in case we have excess funds that are not spent up, we'll roll those excess funds into our debt reduction so it's not sitting there. So it's either going to be used for COVID-19 outreach or it's going to be rolled into our debt reduction. If you'll, you'll agree to that, then participate, okay? He said, we're all these logistics. I don't worry about logistics. Just, just obey God, please. Do the right thing. Paul said, according to the power of the work within us, Not about you, but I read this passage, man, woo! Not to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. As I close, would you notice very quickly Jesus and his priority? Look at verse 21. We're going to wrap it up. It's all about Jesus. Amen? It's all about Jesus. You better say amen right now. It's all about Jesus. Unto him be glory in the church. Paul was local church. The priority is the exaltation of Jesus Christ. Paul talked about his limitation. He said, unto me, but unto him. Paul knew he was in prison with, a limited, with his limitation of his powers. But he knew that even though he was limited because he was chained to guards, he had an unlimited power through the power of the Holy Spirit. Unto him... Be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. Our Lord is trusting us with the riches of his glory to make known the manifold wisdom of God through the church. It's for his glory. Unto him be glory in the church. Unto him be glory in the church. When it's all said and done for, it's not about the buildings, it's not about a man, it's all about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The priority is his exaltation. And would you notice, verse 21, something you may have never seen before, the priority is the extension. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. Would you notice the closing phrase? Throughout all ages, world without end. Now the extension, God exhibited his power there in that first century and God wants to exhibit that same power 20 centuries later in our 21st century. Throughout all ages, world without end. Do you see that word world? He wants the gospel to go around the world. For God so loved the world. You know what he's saying? The extension is, is that we can do it here. We can do it other places. What a great model to start churches. What an extension of the, of, the, of the church, extension ministries to get the gospel out. Listen, don't get tired. Get refired for God. And so tonight, we need his exceeding abundant power to do the work of God. What about you? I'm tired of seeing it in man's power. I want to see God's power. I want a God product, not a human product. We must do the asking and thinking. But it must be uninhibited. It needs to be unlimited. It needs to be unbelievable. Tonight, take that power. 
Let the effectual working of that power, that mightiness, work your heart. Hope you feel like me tonight. I need that power. I need it more than ever before. I need that power to work through us. I need that power to work to break down strongholds, and it will. I need that power to hold the sun still for an entire day so we can get the work done. And you need that power. You need that power to save souls. We need that power to heal those who are sick. We need that power to do his work in his way. And tonight, if you're watching and you're not saved, that power begins through the power of salvation. Would you trust Christ tonight to be your Savior? Would you call on him to wash away your sins, to give you the gift of eternal life, make you a child of God? Wherever you're at at home, would you humble yourself before God and get on your knees tonight like Paul did? For I bow my knees, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom the entire family of heaven and earth is named. Would you bow on your knees before a great mighty God? And pray with me tonight. Let's ask and think tonight for him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to. According to, it's up to us. According to our faith. According to your faith, so be it. The power 